You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yes, a very good afternoon, everyone. Thanks, Hayes. Thanks, Mardo. The run home returns and tomorrow between 3 and 5 right here on SENWA, wherever you may be listening across this great state of ours. Great to have you on board. Wasn't it a beautiful day? Certainly in Perth in the southwest today, 31 degrees. Uh, it's amping up to around 33 tomorrow, then 37 for Friday and Saturday. So we've got a couple of real hot ones coming your way at the end of the working week and into the first day of the weekend. We're here for the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. We're going to go to India. I love having a chat once a week to Bharat Sandarasan, our SEN cricket commentator and writer, and the Australian cricket players just love him. Uh, He's almost got every Australian cricketer as one of his friends. They're quite happy to openly talk to him. As we know, Australia take on England in a few days' time. At the moment, we've got uh, a big one, New Zealand taking on South Africa. It's a top four clash as it sits in the moment in the World Cup of cricket. And South Africa have been put into bat. And in the eighth over, a no-wicket for 33. Quinton de Kock is on 11. And Bavuma, the captain, is 20 not out off 23 balls. And uh, as we've seen so far during this World Cup, when South Africa have batted first, they've often scored plenty of runs. So we'll see uh, whether that was a good decision by the Kiwis to send South Africa into bat. A couple of big stories today for the good oil for Cobram Estate, premium Australian extra virgin olive oil. Get a load of this. Melbourne forward Joel Smith now is pushing to become the first AFL player to access a special anti-doping provision that would enable him to serve a ban of just one month after testing positive to cocaine on the day of the match. Now, Smith's prospects of having his case expedited by the AFL and the Sport Integrity Australia are being frustrated by the lack of an AFL-approved drug treatment program needed to satisfy requirement of the World Anti-Doping Code. Now, Smith is the first AFL player to test positive to a drug listed as a substance of abuse, a carve-out for community-using recreational drugs that was adopted in 2021 by the World Anti-Doping Agency and all signatories to its code. Now, under the provision... 
Athletes who test positive cocaine, ecstasy, heroin or cannabis are offered a three-month suspension instead of the mandatory four-year penalty for other banned substances as long as they can convince anti-doping authorities they didn't take the drug to gain a performance benefit. Now, I'm led to believe that Joel Smith may have taken this substance a couple of days before he was about to appear in that round 23 game for Melbourne and, of course, then failed that drugs test because it's still in his system. Now, the penalty can be further reduced to one month if an athlete completes a drug treatment program approved by the organisation with responsibility for managing their own anti-doping infraction. And in Smith's case, that organisation is the AFL. So your thoughts on that? Uh, Joel Smith could only cop maybe one month, four weeks. And if it's backdated, it could be playing possibly at the start of 2024, depending on when this is heard by the Sport Integrity of Australia unit and, of course, in consultation with the World Anti-Doping Agency and all its signatories. So we'll have to see what happens. What are your thoughts on that, the fact that he could be back? And I think the most pivotal thing, you know, and Eagles fans don't get angry because the Willie Rioli case is completely different because he tampered with a sample, which is a big, big no-no. Hence, that's why he copped Sunset lengthy suspension. But this is a substance of abuse that is commonly used in recreational drugs in the community. It was adopted in 2021 by the World Anti-Doping Agency and all the signatories to a code to say that if you are found guilty, you're offered a three-month suspension and then you can have another case where you could plead to have that suspension reduced to one month if an athlete completes a drug treatment program that's been instilled, in this case, by the AFL. 0487 736 736 is the temperate bedshed text machine or give us a call 13 12 55. An interesting debate, an interesting topic that's come up regarding Melbourne Ford Joel Smith, all thanks to Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested, and first cold-pressed in Northern Victoria. And, of course, the other news is that Oscar McDonald, the free agent, has signed a two-year deal with the Fremantle Dockers today. Uh, Had an exceptional career in the VFL last season. And he now is returning to the AFL and we're playing with a team in purple, the former Melbourne Demons player. So Oscar McDonald signing with Frio for two years. And the Matildas are in action tonight, 7 o'clock kickoff. They take on Chinese Taipei in their final Olympic qualifying game here in Perth. They've played three. They've yet to concede a goal. They beat Iran by two goals to nil last Thursday. They won 8 nil against the Philippines on Sunday. And I reckon there'll probably be a similar scoreline tonight against Chinese Taipei. So uh, the Matildas in action tonight. All right, we're about to conduct a, a chat with uh, Brad Sanderace, and interesting regarding one of Australia's star players at the Cricket World Cup, Glenn Maxwell. It appears he's undergone a freak golf cart injury, which has ruled him out for the game against England. He suffered a concussion after he slipped and fell off the back of the cart. But from all reports... He's recovering okay. So I'm just wondering, we must have been standing 
at the back of the golf cart and it may have moved and he slipped off. He's probably cracked his head on the ground and now he is in concussion protocol. So we're going to have a chat to Barat uh, Sanderason in a moment about that. The game underway at this stage, as we mentioned, is South Africa against New Zealand. And it is South Africa who are batting first against New Zealand, who are looking to get back on the winner's list. I think Barat uh, now joins us on the program. Barat, thanks for your time. How are you? How are you? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. We're getting to the business end of the World Cup now, aren't we? Some very important games coming up. One in play at the moment, South Africa against New Zealand. And by the way, South Africa have just lost their first wicket. They're one for 38. Trent Bolt has taken the wicket. A good catch by Mitchell at slip. And Bavuma is out for 24. De Kock is 12, one for 38. This is a very important game, this one, isn't it? Oh, very much so. Uh, just where the two teams are placed. It's a uh, top-of-the-table clash, you could call it that. Uh, uh, what uh, numbers two and three facing each other. Uh, especially for New Zealand as well. I mean, they had such a, a runaway start, uh, winning their first uh, four games. But then uh, they have lost a few on the, on the, on the run, haven't they? And uh, uh, this is where it gets a little difficult for them. Uh, they have South Africa today and Sri Lanka and Pakistan to come uh, after this. They need to win at least one of them to just make sure that they are in the semi-finals. They can still make it without losing those or without winning any game. But they would like to just get their momentum going back again. Mm. So we'll keep our listeners up to date with that. I know you've uh, got plenty going on at the moment, Barat. What's his story about Glenn Maxwell slipping off a golf cart and now he's un- I... under pro- uh, concussion protocol and won't play in the game against England? Yeah, I know. Unfortunate for Glenn Maxwell. He's just coming off that big injury that uh, he suffered to his foot uh, last year. He had a good, really good World Cup already, that sensational 100 that he scored. But uh, yeah, so I mean, the, the news goes that like he, uh, the team did have a, a golf session, a couple of golf sessions. And uh, apparently late uh, in the evening, uh, as they were getting back from, uh, I think the golf course to the clubhouse, uh, he just happened to jump on one of the golf carts because there wasn't enough there weren't enough golf carts to take ferry all of them back. So some of them were just like standing on the golf cart. And unfortunately for Glenn, uh, his hands just slipped off uh, and apparently got uh, a blow to his head. But he has, he's been concussed and he's recovering well, though. Uh, we did walk past him and he will miss out this game, but uh, they're sticking to the protocols, obviously. Uh, he will have a light training session later today. Uh, he should be available uh, for the next uh, game, which is against Afghanistan. But yeah, he's... You won't see Maxwell for this game against England. Mm. Okay. Uh, Speaking about Afghanistan, a very impressive uh, performance the other night, a comprehensive win against Sri Lanka. They are certainly the glamour nation at the moment. They're playing some good cricket. They're playing some great cricket. uh, And the three wins that they've recorded already each have been uh, as comprehensive as the last. And, uh, uh, you know, they've beaten some big teams, obviously, in England and Pakistan. But just the way they saw Sri Lanka the other day, uh, you can see that there's uh, confidence in that team. Uh, yes, bowling is their strength, but they backed themselves to chase down a, a reasonable total, and they did it in such professional uh, fashion. You know, The thing with Afghanistan is there's obviously the romantic side to their story, uh, and it is it should be romanticized as well. But uh, I think they're just becoming such a proper cricket team, like a, 
uh, a cerebral cricket team. And that's been the most impressive uh, thing to take away from them, that their, their performance, if only they had like, not really had a meltdown against Bangladesh in the opening game. They would have been in a very, very good position and threatened the top four, which they still can with three mm. games to go. A couple of final questions, Barat. Uh, the game the other night between Australia and New Zealand, you have watched many a cricket. Have you seen a better ODI match than that? Uh, no, it's right up there. Uh, it's a game that you can keep going back to uh, uh, as many times as you want and pick out different elements of it and uh, you know enjoy it. Uh, whether it's that uh, remarkable opening partnership between uh, Travis Head and David Warner uh, or, or the power hitting of Maxwell and Cummins uh, and the unlikely heroes with the ball and Glenn Phillips and, uh, or the New Zealand run chase. And they did it so differently to the way Australia did, uh, batted. Uh, they uh, took their time. Uh, they put partnerships on the board. Rachin Ravindra played one of the great World Cup innings. Uh, and then till, till the very last ball or at least the penultimate ball, it could have gone either way. It took some great... Uh, fielding performances in that last over from Manus and uh, Glenn Maxwell to keep Australia alive and then uh, the run out that saw Jimmy Nisham unfortunately get out. No, I mean, that was an all-time classic and, uh, you know, I'm sure it'll be watched uh, many, many more times uh, before we're done with cricket. Yeah, and finally, uh, India unbeaten uh, and still the favourites to take out the 2023 version of the IDO World Cup, ODI World Cup. Um is any yeah. can anybody beat them? Honestly, the way you're seeing it at the moment. No, it just looks like uh, they're they're the indomitable side uh, right now. And it's rare to see an Indian white ball team look so intimidating. Yes, they did win all but one uh, of their league games in 2019 in England, uh, but this time around, just the the fact that they're finding new heroes every time they set up step onto the field. Uh, Mohammad Shami didn't play the first four games. He comes in, takes what seven eight wickets in two games. Uh, bowls that extraordinary spell to Ben Stokes. Just with Bumrah is on fire, uh, even with the bat. Virat has scored runs, Rohit scored runs, Gill's looking uh, as good as ever. And now the Surya Kumar Yadavs come, come in when Hardik Pandya gets injured and he's made runs as well. So they look unstoppable at the moment. But as every Indian cricket fan will tell you, Peter, this is this is this bit they're used to, this part of the script. It's what happens once they get to the knockouts because they've lost so many in the last 10 years or so. Uh, I think Indian fans wouldn't be looking too far ahead yet, but yeah, then at the moment, mm. um, yeah, they are the team to beat. Uh, one final one: Is Australia peaking at the right time? Um, I think uh, you just have to wait for one more game. Uh, look, they've started ticking a lot of boxes, uh, but even against uh, New Zealand, you could see that they they haven't put in the complete performance. Right, they kept New Zealand in the game. Uh, they haven't got a lot of wickets with the new ball, which is why teams are able to stay in the game longer than what you'd expect, uh, even when Australia have been ahead, even when they got the big total against Pakistan, for that matter. So I think um, uh, it, there are good signs for sure. I mean, David Warner is batting as well as he has in a long time. Travis Head, the, uh, the return he's made to the side. Uh, and Steve Smith got a 70 up his sleeve as well. Uh, Adam Zampa taking wickets the way he is. That's a great sign. And Pat Cummins uh, seems to be really coming into his own as a middle-overs uh, operator or wicket-taker. They're setting up games for Australia. So there are a lot of positive signs, but yeah, they'll need that one really big comprehensive game, you'd think. Yes, they got it against the Netherlands, but if they can get it against a team like England, even if uh, I think that'll give them that confidence that they are indeed peaking at the right time going into the semi-finals. Go on, you Barat. Go and watch the cricket. Uh, and no doubt you'll be covering it for SEN. You uh, also uh, write many an article regarding the World Cup, and we look forward to reading those. Thanks for your time here on Sports Day WA.
Sounds good. Cheers. Thank you so much. See you, mate. Uh, Brat Sender Racing joining us here on the program. 14 past nine. uh, The Aussie interview of the month. Uh, Look for the logo. Be sure it's Aussie. And it's important to buy Australian right now. As I said, look for the Aussie. uh, Look for the logo and be sure it's Aussie. Uh, Your thoughts uh, certainly on the cricket. Your thoughts on what Joel Smith is pursuing, pushing to become the first AFL player to access a special anti-doping provision that would enable him to serve a ban of just one month after testing positive to cocaine on the day of a match. Uh, It'd be very interesting to see how that goes. And the AFL Players Association is representing Smith in his anti-doping case. But due to the confidentiality of anti-doping processes, now sources from the AFL Players Association, the AFL, and the Sport Integrity Australia unit have declined to publicly discuss the case. But certainly it is bubbling under the surface. All right, we're going to take a break, uh, come back with more on the other side of the break. As we go to that break, one for 43, uh, South Africa, after 10 overs. One for 43 after 10 overs. They're playing in Pune. Uh, De Kock is on 13 and Van der Dusen on four. Back with more in a moment. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Great to have your company uh, for Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand. Let's update the cricket. Uh, match 32 or 45 to be played. Uh, South Africa, one for 48. One for 48 after being sent into bat by New Zealand. Uh, Bavuma is the man out. De Kock is 15 off 28, so he's just taking his time. Quinton De Kock, who's hit 300 so far in this World Cup tournament in India. And Vendor Dussin is on seven off 11 balls. One for 48, and we're in the 12th over. And as we mentioned, it was uh, put into bat were South Africa against New Zealand. Both nations currently in the top four. New Zealand trying to rebound after that unfortunate and unlucky five-run loss to Australia the other night. That update, thanks to Polaris. Uh, plate clearance deals are on now. Save $2,000 on the range of 1000 EPS plus get $1,000 free accessories. Let's have a look at some other news that's happening at the moment. And a lot has been said about England's performance at this World Cup. The fact that they sit bottom of the 10 nations. Mike Gatting was a former England captain, was very well respected as a number three batsman at test level. And of course, as the batsman, that was beaten by Shane Warne's ball of the century. This is what he had to say, by the way, on England's poor showing in India. It's been very hard work uh, watching as well, I have to say, uh, especially when a lot of the, I'd say, the, the, the smaller sides are, are beating us and, and outplaying us. It's uh, it's not been very good to watch. Um, so for me, it's... Uh, it's it's uh, trying to put on a brave face at the moment. You know, it, it's a bit of a done deal for for England. I'm afraid. I, I don't think even if they beat Australia, I'm not sure that they can eat, they can still qualify. So, it's been been hugely disappointing, especially with the group of players they've had. It, I wouldn't say it's hard to put a finger on, but they just haven't made very many good decisions, and and they haven't played what I'd say smart cricket. Probably the approach that we've taken is has been a bit too gung ho. I mean. Um, 
you know, it's a long game, 50 overs. It's not T20. Um, and, you know, we seem to have been playing sort of T20 throughout and, mm. and sadly not getting the sort of runs that, that we need to. I suspect their confidence is a little low at the moment. Um, and, you know, we, we, we sort of sort of either bowl well and bat poorly or bat poorly and bowl well. And it, it's, you know, it's not been anything together. No, there's no, no togetherness and no, as I say, no good decisions being made throughout a game. Mike Gatting on his thoughts on England's poor showing so far at this World Cup and looks like they'll be going home uh, in a matter of days, sitting bottom of the World Cup standings, uh, sitting in 10th position. Uh, quite hard to believe. As we uh, mentioned, the Matildas are in town. How much game time Sam Kerr will uh, have tonight against Chinese Taipei after playing well over an hour and scoring a hat-trick for the Matildas against the Philippines here at Optus Stadium on Sunday remains to be seen. But it certainly will be a big win coming up for the Matildas in their final game here in Perth, 7 o'clock kickoff at HBF Park. But she was the runner-up in the Ballon d'Or, and this is what she had to say after finishing second, after previously finishing a couple of times in third place. Yeah, it's amazing. Any time an Aussie's nominated for that award, it's an amazing achievement. We're, you know, not one of the powerhouses of, you know, the footballing nations. So the fact that we're out there flying the flag for Australian football is amazing, and um, I think it's well-deserved, to be honest. I've been just... uh unbelievably impressed by the community spirit that these Matildas have shown. As I mentioned yesterday, there were some of the players who went to the Up Shopping Centre and signed uh, jerseys and shirts and whatever it needed to be signed by for young people there. And yesterday, they also went down to the Perth Soccer Club, Sam Kerr, and they conducted a bit of a clinic for some young players as well. Her and a couple of her teammates, a huge turnout there. The parents came and the young girls came, and what a thrill for them. Sam Kerr was seen uh, getting a nu- uh, plenty of number 20 Matilda shirts and was just signing away, uh, and no doubt a great memento for a lot of the young people that went down there to Dorian Gardens yesterday. Rugby Australia CEO Phil War has opened up on the bitterly disappointing rain for Eddie Jones and has hit back at the ex-coach's swipe at Michael Hooper and Quade Cooper and also Bernard Foley. But this is what he had to say. Did Phil War on the direction of rugby and Eddie Jones? Phil, is this rock bottom for Rugby Australia? Only ways up? Oh, I hope so. The way he was sort of talking yesterday was that rugby Australia is on the road to nowhere. I was disappointed in those comments. In terms of having uh, no direction, I'd strongly dispute that. Make no mistakes, we're going to 2023 to win the Rugby World Cup. And, uh, and clearly we're a long, long way away from that. I know that uh, there has been some level of criticism around how we've handled this and should we have called the Japanese. I, I, I genuinely... Um, don't think that uh, yeah that 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 level of inquiry is required. Also, for our latest sports news headlines, thanks to Iragir to save time and water. I mentioned at the top of the program that Oscar McDonald, the free agent formerly of the Melbourne Football Club, has signed a two-year deal for the Fremantle Footy Club for next season. Uh, played an exceptional season in the VFL, did Oscar, and the Dockers have picked him up. And this is what he had to say: Obviously, they've got um, a world of talent um, already in the team, and um, hopefully, I can just add a, a small part to that. But um, watching from afar, uh, I like to watch a little bit of football and, and seeing those guys go to work, and you know, even even Ryan back there as well. So it'll be great once I meet them and get to know how they work and, and work together as a team going forward. So we wish him the best of luck uh, in Oscar, Oscar McDonald coming to Fremantle for next season. And finally, 
a bit more of Ange Postacoglu and Tim Sherwood has managed at Tottenham Hotspur, managed them for about four or five years, also has been a Premier League manager with the likes of you know Norwich when they were in the Premier League. But anyway, this is what he had to say on how Ange is going at his former club. This guy looks like he really appreciates the opportunity of managing Tottenham. He's not doing them a favour. He talks brilliantly. They asked him after the game, can Tottenham win the league? He said, unless it's in the rules where it says we can't. <laughs> Which is a great answer. He's got all the right answers. He's a guy you want to have a pint with. Um, it's just a top man and, and everyone wants him to do well, unless you're an Arsenal fan. <laughs> Tim Sherwood. I'm not sure he'd have a pint, uh, Ange. I reckon he'd have an Uzo. I reckon uh, he'd be more interested in maybe having an Uzo, just a little nip there, rather than having a pint. I don't see Ange as being a, a beer drinker, to tell you the truth. Um he may not drink much at all, but I reckon if Tottenham uh, get out of something out of this season, I reckon he might have a nip or two of Parthenon Uzo. So there you go, uh, Tim Shield. That update there for Irrigear, which offers expert advice and better irrigation solutions to save time and water. Irrigear is here. The Perth Glory are back in town uh, after what was a disappointing trip in the long-distance derby. They were beaten by two goals to one, and Adam Taggart missed a penalty with only a few minutes remaining, so they could have got another two-all draw. We'll speak to one of their new players that's come back to the club after the break here on Sports Day. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos here on this Wednesday. And it's all thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year. And our friends at Toolmart, the complete tool centre serving WA now for over 45 years. The Perth Glory return home after the long-distance derby where they fell to Wellington Phoenix by two goals to one. So it's a draw and one loss in their opening game. They're unlucky maybe not to get a share of the spoils uh, against the Wellington Phoenix, missing a uh, very much last-minute penalty. But we'll talk about that with our next special guest, who's about to join us from the Perth Glory camp, has returned this season, which is great to see him. It's Alexander Sushna, and he joins us on the program now. Alexander, thanks for your time. You're welcome, mate. Uh, how's... Adam Taggart feeling he's the co-captain and unfortunately he missed the penalty late in that game there in Wellington last week. Yeah, look, you know, it's something, you know, to move on from. You know, we're all we're all human at the end of the day, so, you know, him missing that penalty, it wasn't it wasn't easy for him, you know, but as a team, you know, we're there to get around him and, you know, move on to the next together. Saying that, Mark Beavers, uh, your fellow defender, scored the goal last week to bring uh, the glory back after going a goal behind. Did you feel overall that you probably deserved to take something out of that game? Yeah, look, I definitely believe that we deserve to take a point, you know, in that game. It's a hard game, you know, travelling all the way from Perth to New Zealand. You know, that no matter, you know, how you prep for the game, you know, the flight and everything, you know, does take a toll on your body, but... At the end of the day, I do feel like we deserve to take a point from that game at least. What's your general feeling? You're back here where it all started for you at the Perth Glory. What's your feeling inside the camp under Alan Stadjic? You know, the, the boys are, you know, the boys are enjoying it. You know, all the players, you know, we get along together. It's just the start of the season. You know, we're, we're there for one another. You know, you can see that at training. 
you know, we did lose a couple of points these two games, but I believe as a team that we can, you know, the next couple of games get the points that we do deserve. It is a long season. When you consider that the finals are played in April and May of next year, there's still a long way to go, but you want to sort of bank some early points, don't you? And I gather this Saturday night against the Central Coast Mariners, who haven't started that well, it's imperative you get a home win. Yeah, look, you know, it's, it's a game where we believe we can take three points. You know, they're a good team too, so... You know, it's not going to be an easy game. You know, we've got to rock up on Saturday and, and be on point. Do our best as a team, and I believe in, you know, we can we can take those three points from them. Just before we come back to the glory, I'd like to find out a bit about yourself. As we know, you were born here in Perth, uh, Western Australia, but you've been very much travelled, both from a family perspective and a football perspective, in, uh, what, your 28 years. Tell us about those early years when you were born here in Perth. How long were you here for? Yeah, so the early years, um, I was in Perth until about the age of 13. I was moving, you know, with my family from Sydney to Perth, you know, for a younger age, pack my bags up, you know, with my parents and make that move overseas to Serbia where I did have family. So I had somewhere to stay, you know, focus on football, get the European training into me. You know, it wasn't easy with the language barrier, you know, and the schooling. So, you know, that did take a toll on me a bit. But um, I guess at the end of the day, it paid off. You know, I've had an amazing, amazing run until now, and I believe, you know, I can keep going forward. And what was interesting regarding you went to Serbia, you did represent Serbia at under-17 level internationally, and then by January 2018, Australian FA caught uh, your attention, and you made your debut for the Australian under-23 team, and uh, you sort of deferred your allegiances to Australia at the expense of Serbia. Was that a hard decision to make for you? I wouldn't say it was a hard decision. I, I just, you know... I think Australia didn't know about me because I left at a young age. You know, when I did get in touch with them, uh, I was under their radar. And, then, you know, that came along, you know, under Ante. And he gave me my first, you know, cap for the under-23s. And then I was sort of flying under the radar, you know, with the Socceroos. And, and that's how that all came along. When you look at yourself as an individual, you've been much travelled. You played football in a number of nations in Europe. You can speak, I believe, fluent Serbian, Lithuanian, Czech and Romanian plus English. Is that correct? Oh, I don't speak that many languages. I, I, wish, I, I wish I did, but um, no, unfortunately I don't. I do understand, you know, the Czech, Slovakian. I wouldn't say Romanian too much, um, but, yeah, Czech and Slovakia. Uh, how do I say? The Eastern European, yeah. you know, language. So, you know, I do pick up on a few words. So, you know, when they would talk to me, I could understand. But talking back to them was a bit difficult. So when you were growing up in Perth and you left at the age of 13, what was the language in the household? Was it Serbian or English? Uh, it was English. It was English. Um, I did speak Serbian with my grandparents. Uh, but then once I started going to school, I sort of lost that, you know, speaking English on a daily basis, you know, at school and at home with my parents. Mm. So, you know, making that move to Serbia was very difficult for me at the age of 13. Um, it took me a good two and a half years, I'd say, to learn the language fluently. When you look at your much-travelled uh, football career so far, probably the longest period you spent at one club has been at MacArthur FC who, uh, as we know, in 2020 got into the competition and you notched up 50 games from them. Uh, you left, uh, you had a brief stint, I think, back in Serbia before you were signed by Alan Stadzic and brought to the Perth glory. Do you see yourself staying here now for a, a lengthy period of time, trying to help the Perth glory 
recapture some of the glory of years gone by? Yeah, look, you know, I don't want to make that call now. Um, I'm, I can say I'm happy, you know, at Perth Glory and being back with my family. You know, I did sign to the end of the season, so... You know, I'm focused on having a good season this year and seeing what, you know, seeing what the next season holds for me. I did come back from a long-term injury of seven, eight months. So, you know, all I'm, all I'm focused on now is just playing and, you know, helping the team as much as I can. And um, at the end of the season, I guess we we'll have to sit down on the table and have that discussion. What are your objectives? Uh, you're still young enough uh, to certainly challenge yourself in a few areas in the world game. Uh, what are some of the challenges that you'd like to meet head on? Maybe in coming years. Yeah, look, you know, I'll be happy to make that move overseas. You know, Europe, Asia. You know, I love to explore. I love living in different countries, um, you know, learning the language and experiencing different cultures. You know, so if an opportunity does come across, you know, abroad, I would be interested in that. Alexandra, just having a look at the Perth glory, uh, they brought in a few players like yourself during the course of the off-season. Now, you've played at many clubs. How long do you think it takes for a new group of players that come to a club to maybe knit together with the existing players? Does it take a few games? And do you think Glory are going through that process at the moment? Well, I think they are. It's a, it is hard. You know, whoever says it's easy, it's hard to believe that. I personally think it definitely takes, you know, multiple games. Every Each player plays a different style of football, you know, and trying to understand that those different players you know, is challenging at the start, but as the games go on, you learn more and more about them. So I do think, you know, it will take definitely a couple of months. You've uh, conceded four goals in the opening two games. Uh, you're an integral part of the uh, Perth Glory defence. How much work does there need to be done, maybe with the defensive back four, to make sure that you become super tight? Yeah, see, I, I don't think the goals that we did concede are unlucky goals to say. You know, there was a good, there was a banger against Newcastle. You know, I'm not going to, not going to lie there. But I believe that we do have a very strong defence, and um, I think that we'll show that. You know, during the season. Have you caught up with the uh, other great Serbian uh, player for the Perth Glory, Bobby Despotovsky? Have you spoken to him at all since you've come back? No, I haven't spoken to Bobby. I do know Bobby personally. Um, he was actually the coach of the under 18s back in the youth about, that was in 2018 when I did come back and play for the youth, mm. Perth Glory. So I did have a chance to, you know, be coached under Bobby. Uh, but if I do see him around, I'll definitely have a chat with him. Yeah, he's a good man. He's a good man. One of the uh, living, le- living legends of the Perth Glory Football Club. Don't worry about that. Uh, Alexandra, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. Uh, Let's hope it's an exciting season for the Perth Glory going forward. And good luck against the Mariners on Saturday night, 6.45 kickoff. You're welcome, mate. Thank you very much. Alexandra Sushna joining us from the Perth Glory and just getting a bit of a uh, background on uh, where he's been. He's played in uh, plenty of nations overseas. As I said, Lithuania, Serbia. I think he might have even played a bit in Asia, uh, in Korea as well. And as we know, he had a stint with MacArthur FC here in Australia in the A-League before coming to the Perth Glory. We're going to take a break. Uh, Coming back on the other side of the break, uh, a very big announcement at the Penrith Panthers NRL Club today. We'll tell you more next here on Sports Day WA. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Welcome back to Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos here on this Wednesday. All thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year. And our friends at Toolmart, the complete tool centre, 
They've been serving WA for 45 years. Ian Peterson and the team do a great job. So if you're a tradie and you want to support a local business, Toolmart are the people to see. Well, speaking about local businesses, it's now a national business, but there's a uh, air conditioning company that started in Yampy Way, Williton. All those years ago, it was known as Advantage Air. Now, you may have seen their latest imaging and their latest promotion for My Place. Well, My Place today was launched as the front of shirt sponsor for the Penrith Panthers, who have won the last three NRL premierships. It's a significant sponsorship for an organisation that I can confess personally I've had a relationship with now going on 20 years. But to be the front of shirt or front of Guernsey sponsor for the Penrith Panthers is a huge win for Advantage Air and in particular the branding of my place. Joining us is the New South Wales State Manager. He's a former West Australian boy as well. Started with the company, I believe, when he was 17. Uh, Darren B. Darren, thanks for your time. Great to be on the show, Peter. Thank you. You did start with a company when you were about 17, didn't you? Mate, I did. I did. I was an engineering dropout when I was 17 and looking for a bit of direction and uh, Advantage Air took me under the wing and, and yeah, had a 23-plus had a year career, I think it is now, with, with the company. It's been great. So you would have been a, a good person to give a bit of a snapshot on the growth of the organisation from those humble beginnings, as I mentioned, in Williton. Yeah, it certainly was, mate. Um, in, in the early days, in, in my early days, we were we had a presence in Western Australia and we're trying to grow a presence on the eastern seaboard. Um, throughout the years, we've increased that presence on the eastern seaboard and obviously now taking on that principal sponsorship of the Panthers. It's It's been, a, it's obviously a big, it's a big step in the company and obviously a lot of growth to come out of that on the eastern seaboard. Tell us about the sponsorship that was announced today with Ivan Cleary, of course, the coach of the Penrith Panthers, one of the attendees. Yeah, it's um, so yeah, principal sponsorship, uh, three year, three year deal. Um, so it's on the front of the jersey. A lot of a lot of other things that come with it as well. So you get a lot of player appearances and and things like that to really drive the brand. And, and for us, you know, initially it was a commercial arrangement is is the reason we were looking at it. But what we found as we worked together with them with the Panthers is the values that they that they have the culture of the organisation is, is very strong, which is a huge driver of their success on the field. But in terms of who they are as a club, that culture, it was a pleasure doing business with them. And, and, and more than that is that our culture is similar. I'm not going to say we're the same as them. That, that would might be a bit of a stretch. But the fact that we're very similar in the way that we view business, um, yeah, I think that sets it up really yeah. nicely for, for, for a three-year partnership. Yeah, great three-year deal. As we say, the I think the head office there in Sydney is based in Castle Hill, which is in the western suburbs of Sydney. But Penrith Panthers, uh, as we know, about 50 k's, I think, out of the CBD is Penrith. It's a massive sport rugby league in that part of New South Wales, isn't it, in the western suburbs? Huge, yeah. What AFL is to Western Australia uh, is is that, and maybe more, is what NRL is, especially in western Sydney. And Penrith, Penrith is one of the largest clubs in, in the competition in terms of membership, fan base, and their reach. Uh, their reach is quite incredible and extends beyond just the base of the mountains. It goes all the way out into the country and regional areas as well. So, yeah, big, big footprint, big club. When did you start negotiating to maybe get this uh, exclusive principal partnership with the Panthers? Because when you started negotiating, you wouldn't have thought and you wouldn't have known 
that they'd win the NRL Premiership for a third consecutive year. That's right. Yeah, look, we had some initial discussions back in 2021. Um, and at that time, they didn't have what we were looking for. So we, we passed it over. And uh, I'm going to swear now, if you're a Panthers fan, but we, had, we, we actually did a little bit with the Eels. Um, and we were about halfway through that when we were approached again. So it was about... Uh, mid last year when they made the approach to us and then it took us about six months to get the deal together and get it over the line. It was signed about December last year. So we took a minor sponsorship with them throughout 23 and um, obviously becoming the major sponsor 24, 25, 26. So yeah, that we, we, we didn't know if the success would repeat but um, when you when you understand the internals of the organisation that is the Panthers, you would be reasonably confident. No one could ever be overconfident. You don't want to be overconfident, but you'd be reasonably confident that they'll be up at the top for a while. And this would be the biggest investment in relation uh, to sponsorship that Advantage Air have ever undertaken. This is a significant investment, isn't it? Yeah, in terms of a three-year commitment. So we have done big stuff with the block. Uh, That one doesn't come too cheap. Uh, We do spend big on commercial networks, but in terms of... If you map it out over the three years, this is the biggest deal we've ever done, absolutely. And what do you hope to get out of it uh, in the long term, Darren, finally? Great question, Pete. Um, I suppose it's twofold on, on the on the consumer level. Uh, we, we're looking for brand recognition. Um, so obviously a, a huge uptick in, in unprompted brand recognition across not just metropolitan Sydney, but even Australia-wide. Um, obviously, I think areas that are more rugby league prone, like Queensland, would probably benefit a little more than the AFL states. But... We're hoping we get that uplifting consumer brand. And the Panthers also has a strong business network as well. So leveraging um, in, in inside that network and, and pushing our products through that channel as well, yeah. which Panthers have been very good to us to date in doing that and helping us do that already. Well, good luck. It's exciting stuff, as I said, from humble beginnings here in Western Australia uh, to now being a national uh, company with uh, the brand My Place and now being front and centre as a principal sponsor of one of uh, Australia's biggest sporting organisation, the Penrith Panthers. Well done, Darren. Congratulations. And we look forward to seeing My Place on the front of shirt when we next see the Penrith Panthers in action. Well done. Peter, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Good to chat. Darren B there, the general manager of my place, Advantage Air in New South Wales, about that big sponsorship. Uh, and, of course, you're here, my place, right here on SENWA. By the way, before I go, Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American football's biggest game worth over $70,000. All you need to do is just shop in-store at Beaumont's before November 12. That date is fast approaching and you're in with a chance to win. TNCs do apply. Sports Day WA, all thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre, and they've been serving WA for over 45 years. Thanks for joining us on the program. A big one tomorrow. I'll be speaking to Steve Harris, the former president of the Fremantle Football Club. I'll tell you why when you tune in tomorrow. You held the mantle for seven years. And I had an idea yesterday, actually, on a question that I need to pose to Steve Harris because he was instrumental in a significant move for the Fremantle Football Club. So Steve Harris is going to join us for a chat tomorrow. And we'll also be looking at the WBBL and a great win. Uh, They were flying back today, but a great win by the Perth Scorchers over Elise Healy's Sydney Sixers. Alana King was on fire, so we'll touch on that 
as well. Plus so much more. We've got the top seven sports stories of the week as well. It's going to be a big show, the final one of the week. Sports Day, WA tomorrow from five. Thanks to Jimmy and thanks to Paul Heath, my panel operator. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll catch you again tomorrow from five o'clock.